Coming live from Melbourne, Australia is our guest this afternoon. Welcome to this very special edition of the KJ Masterclass Live, the show which ensures that you profit from your time spent here with experts, either through their industry insights, information, or simply learning from them. And before I move forward, may I request you to subscribe, follow, like, and comment on whichever platform you're watching or listening to this show on. And today we have Linda King, founder of The Smart Travelista, author, travel writer, blogger. Welcome to the show, Linda. Thank you, AJ. Hi, everyone. Thank you for having Great. me. Great to have you on the show. And we'll be talking about, you know, how to save money on travel. Uh, from your perspective, Linda, uh, you know, you believe in a lot of saving money for travel, you know. You have, all, you have also saved a lot of money and have guided a lot many others to do the same. Uh, to the same. And now we will be you sh will be talking about amazingly simple trips to save money before and while traveling. But before that, how does this travel trend look like after COVID? How you you manage a lot of things? You uh, advise a lot of people on uh, you know traveling. So how does it look like in the? How does the travel scene look like at the moment? post-COVID in this transition phase that we are in? Well, I can talk about Australia. It's absolutely exploding and the airlines cannot keep up. So, you know, obviously when the pandemic happened, a lot of the planes were put in the desert just to, you know, so they wouldn't, um, wouldn't need a lot of maintenance when they came back out. But in Australia, the airlines cannot cope with the demand. So I'm thinking that it's worldwide. So, yes, the pandemic sort of flattened everything to do with travel, but now it's ramped up more than they expected. Um, and, you know, COVID's still hanging around a little bit. People are still getting it. And so the airlines are, are looking for staff um, and hiring more people. So I think it's gone from one extreme to the other, AJ. We, we had nothing for two years. And now I know myself, I really want to travel. Um, I'm so excited to be travelling again, um, and I think a lot of other people are. And I don't know if you know a lot about Australians, but we, we're big travellers and we love travelling. So as soon as they opened our borders, people were like, get me out of here, I need to get somewhere. Right, right. So is this travel having uh, getting done domestically, internally, within the country, or is it more on the international side? How? What is the trend are you seeing, at least from uh, from Australia side? So when the pandemic um, was happening, we could only do domestic because our borders were closed. So a lot of people were utilising, you know, they had to be careful because we'd have snap lockdowns between borders, you know, domestic borders. So what's happened is Australians have gone through domestic flights and they're like, well, we've done that. Now we want to go international. So I think, you know, any, every, everyone that I spoke to around that time said that most other countries, the populations were doing the same. They were doing going on road trips, taking their van out. Um, so I think what's happened is the population's exhausted all the domestic options, which they may not have done normally, that they had no other option. Now I think it's about international. I think... You know, I, I can talk to you from an Australian's perspective, but people that I've spoken to in the US are saying the similar sort of thing and also in Europe. Um, so, yeah, definitely international booming. 
Um, but, you know, obviously we've got to still live with the virus um, right. and still take precautions. So, yeah, but it, I think definitely from what I'm seeing in the travel trends, it's internationally um, mostly. Right, right. Why I ask this is that, you know, hospitality and the tourism industry has bore the brunt of COVID quite, you know, uh, strongly. Now, there is this trend of perhaps if I if I am telling it correctly, it's revenge travel. People want to just go out and do their travel. Mm -hmm. When do you see uh, this particular trend ending and the regular travel happening? Because that's where everybody can plan it in, in a very certain manner in terms of either from the hospitality sector, tourism sector side also, they can they can decide that this is going to be continuous business. And even from a domestic traveler, even from a traveler point of view, uh, mm. at the moment for so many of them, uh, it will be difficult for them to afford. But then when things will be a bit normal, they can certainly start looking at, you know, traveling within the budget. And that is where a lot of your expertise will come in. So when do you see in your experience, understanding of the present trends, thus traveling coming down to a normal level and this revenge traveling and all that stuff getting down to you know getting getting an end to it i think there's a lot of people that are wary at the moment so they're expecting lockdowns um so in melbourne we had so many lockdowns it was like a continuous lockdown for so long and so people were really worried and cautious about doing anything i think people have probably got a little bit of that still in there in them um, and they're worried because they don't want to put all this money out for travel and then have it cancelled on them again, right, like, right, you know, right. what happened when, when it hit. So I think, I, I reckon give it about six months. I reckon probably the beginning of 2023, I think it'll be more normal. I think that the airlines and the travel industry would have caught up. They would be able to manage the demand. Um and it probably gives people a little bit of extra months up their sleeve as well where they can save a bit more money um, and then do a really good trip. So me, I'm taking a risk. I'm going this weekend and also the month after I'm going. But, you know, I think if you've got travel insurance, I think you're going to be covered okay um, and obviously be vaccinated. You know, I'm fully vaccinated. I think I've had four vaccines um, and just... You know, they say you don't need to wear a mask, but I'm going to continue to do that because I just think it's good practice. Um, it will protect me when I travel. Um, but, yeah, it just depends on the individual, AJ. I don't know. It, it depends on whether that person wants to take a few more risks or whether they want to just wait. Either way, I think it's okay. It's, it's the individual choice, really. Right. Right, Linda. Now let's come down to the normal uh, situation Pe things are getting back to normal and people start traveling now they can as you can say uh, in the next six months they can look at you know normal travel now a lot of people are budget travelers even if people have got money they don't want to unnecessarily just waste their money and that is where our topic of discussion is how to save money on travel so what are the things that travelers uh, before they even plan to go or while they plan to travel, should they keep in mind so that they can, you know, save money? And saving money means you can travel more. So please share your expertise with us. 
Yeah, there's a lot, a lot of tips. Um, the first big one would be to book online yourself. So a lot of people go to a travel agent and that's a good choice for some people if they don't have the time to do it um, and they want to pay someone. But with a travel agent, you're paying for their commission and sometimes you're paying, well, you're definitely paying for their expertise as well. So if you, if you strip, strip that out of the equation and do it yourself, and it can seem daunting at first, but if you break it down into steps, it's quite easy. And obviously it takes a little bit more research because this is what the travel agent does. They do research for the, the client and they have a look at what the best option is. But if you do all of it online, so if you can book your flight online, do your accommodation direct with, with, the, with the hotel or the other accommodation provider, go direct with your touring, go direct with your car hire, whatever it is that you get, do, do it direct. So that would be my first big tip. Also, another big tip to think about is prepay before you leave. So if you prepay before you leave, you're using your own currency. If you pay while you're over there, you're paying for the conversion rate between your currency and that currency. So say you're, you know, um, for me it's Australian dollars and, I'm, and I might be going to the US. I'm actually paying more conversion rate if I pay for it over there. So, you know, you might say, I want to settle the hotel bill at the end because I might have, you know, a few things. I might have some breakfast and room service and whatever it may be. Paying for it beforehand is going to save you a lot of money, so much money. One thing about that is you know your budget because your budget's already been accounted for, your costs have already been, been um, you know, worked out. And then you know what money you've got um, up your sleeve to, to, to use. Another really good tip is travel off peak. So AJ, you have different peak seasons through the year and it depends on the country also. So you have really peak, high, high season, they call it high season, which is when everyone's there. The weather, weather is beautiful, but costs are very expensive. If you go lower or shoulder season, depending on the place you're going to, you're always going to get it going to get it cheaper. The only thing about that is the weather won't be so nice. Okay, so it might be a bit cooler, could be a bit rainier, but you will definitely save some money there. Um, another thing to also consider is airline miles. So I'm a big one for airline points. I build my points, and then I travel with those points. So I'd say they're probably the big 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 item tips. I would give about saving money um, and there's also ways to save money when you're traveling as well um, but I'll probably talk a little bit more about that in some of my books and also on my website okay 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 Linda uh, so firstly uh, before my next question if you can tell us more about the smart travel vista so that you know people can get a lot of information even from your website, even from your free resources. So if you can tell us about that and we'll come to the next question. Then. Yeah, sure. So the Smart Travelista is um, the company that I um, created. So it's about saving money and traveling lots. So my background is in the travel industry, but then also in banking. So I know a lot right. about travel and also know a lot about saving money. So the, the mission for my for my company is how to save money but travel in quality so we can do more travel as you mentioned 
Um, on the Smart Travelista website, um, I've got I do blogging about and mainly around um, tourist destinations and also how to save money. Um, I also talk about writing. So there's I, I get a lot of engagement from people about um, you know beginner writers. So I also talk about that. Um, but on my website, I also have um, a lot of the, the interviews that I've done, which also give people a lot of great tips about travel and also um, all the books that I've got on Amazon. So it's really a travel hub, I would call it, uh, where people meet, people reach out and engage, and we just talk about our favourite thing, travel, um, you know, right. and, yeah, that, that's really what the Smart Travelista is. And you're a smart travelista in my books. If you follow the tips, then you're a smart travelista. Right. Right, right, Linda. Now, coming to the tips that you just shared, you just, uh, one of the tips was, the first one was to try and book yourself, every, anything that is possible. Now, how does one know uh, uh, when somebody is a first-time traveler or even, you know, more than for one time or twice and all but to know about international locations how would they know about what is the best price of a particular uh, thing in terms of airline in terms of hotels in terms of other places even taxi hire and all that stuff because the second uh, you uh, suggested is to pay beforehand in your currency so that it saves you later on uh, that currency conversion and all. So how does one decide what is the thing that they should follow and when is the time they should actually go and taking somebody else's help as well as expertise? How does one go about it? Great question, AJ. Um, many parts of this question. I would say um, if you're planning on a trip, think about where you want to go first up. Now, there's amazing resources on the internet. So say you want to go to, I don't know, um, India. You might want to go to India. Someone right. from Australia might want to go to India. They would Google India. Um, and then also work out where you want to go to, right? Um, and then what you need to do is build around that itinerary. So firstly, for me, I have to get my annual leave approved by my employer. That's the first thing. Otherwise, we're not going anywhere. So okay. we get our... We get our holiday approved. And then the next step would be to do research on the internet. Find out where you want to go to or, or what, what it is that you, where you want to travel to. And then what I would do is start looking at airline websites. So for me, as an Australian, I would look at Qantas. That's the, the, the airline that I would travel on. So my first point of call would be Qantas website and finding out all the information I can about where they go. Because if they go there, great. My flight all sorted. I've got to book it, obviously, but then I know that they're going to fly there. Then what are their recommendations for hotels? You can also go on places like TripAdvisor, Expedia. They're like travel um, trawlers, I call them, like travel. And sometimes they combine everything together. There's one that we use in Australia called Webjet. And it brings together all flights, accommodation, touring and everything. So if you wanted to go on one of those websites and you were, you know, a little bit unsure about how to do, you know, book the flights, book the accommodation, you could go on one of those um, 
internet providers and they'll do it for you. So they'll go, okay, you're flying to New Delhi. What date are you going on? Okay, you need accommodation and it will actually help you do that. You can use those sites or you can do it on your own. But again, it's about, okay, how long am I going to be away for? A week? Okay, so I need accommodation. I need my flights. I need accommodation. What am I going to do there? Am I going to sightsee? Am I going to walk around and do that on foot? Or am I going to get someone to take me on a day tour? So these are the sorts of things that people need to consider. Um, do I need a visa to go there? Because you might need a visa. Then that's something else that potentially your airline website might tell you. If When you book, I know for me, when I book the flight, it'll say, have you got your visa? And it'll give you a link to get your visa. Um, but there's so many great websites on the internet. We're so lucky. And it's just about knowing which ones are going to give you the best information. So for me, the research might seem like it's taking time, but that time that you research is actually going to save you money. Right. And then what I, would, what I would say, AJ, is if that's a little bit too hard or you don't have the time, then that's when I would maybe go to a travel agent because that's what they're paid to do. They're paid to do that research, to look to give you the best option. And if you're okay with paying that money that they charge, then do it. Okay. Okay, Linda. Now, one hmm. important part here is for a traveler who is good at planning and there are so many people who are not so great at planning their travel. But everybody wants to know one thing. What is the ideal time frame? How early should they start planning? What is the ideal time for them to plan to get the best of everything for their travel? So it depends. Um, you can look at 12 months in advance. Um, okay. What I, from my experience, I leave it around about six months because what happens in the meantime is sales will become available. And that's another thing I was going to let everyone know about. If you're flying with a certain airline or you're wanting to buy off a certain travel uh, company, make sure you sign up to their mailing list because what will happen is they'll send you an email when those sales happen. So from my experience, depending on where I'm going to, I leave it about six months before because then I know whether the flight deals have come out or not. Um, but someone might say to you, oh, you know, I'm gonna, you're going on leave. <laughs> someone might force you to go on leave because you've got too much leave. As long as you've got a, I don't know, the, I think the quickest I've ever done is probably in, within two days I've gone somewhere and I, I've booked it pretty quickly in a day. Um, but it, it's up to you, whatever, you know. If you know nine months in advance, 12 months in advance, um, and the deal looks good, then snap it up, book it, and then you know that's all been taken care of. And then all you've really got to worry about is how much money you're going to take with you and what you're going to do when you get there. So I don't think there's any hard or fast rule when people should book beforehand. It's an individual thing. Um, you know, some people like 12 months. People might like nine months. My, I myself, I'm usually six months or below, um, but that's because I know what I'm looking for and and I'm monitoring things. But, yeah, it's it, totally up to the traveller, I think. Right. Right. Now, uh, people, as, as you say, it's best to, 
you know, build airline points and miles so, so that you can carry on flying and doing more, more and more travel. How do you build up that? Because a lot of people have never been to foreign locations. They are first time travelers, maybe second time or some people who travel more, but they don't know how to efficiently do it. What's your tip uh, for people here, uh, how they can build up their miles points? Yeah, great question. The way to do it is work out which airline program you want to join or, or, or number of them might be, right? So pick out the frequent flyer program that you want to join or the loyalty program and understand it. So again, it's about knowing what they offer, okay. whether those things fit into your lifestyle. So a lot of these airline loyalty programs have partners. So obviously they've got like the flight airline partners, but there's also accommodation partners. For me in Australia, that we have supermarket partners. We also have financial products like credit cards. So it's about what what is good for your for your lifestyle. So you know, in most cases, people need a credit card. Pick a credit card that's actually going to be attached to a program because that's an easy way to build points. Flying's probably the best way to build points. Um, but if you're not flying, you can still build points. So for me, we have a, we have a supermarket that has is joined up with one of the airline programs. You've always got to go every week and buy food. So that's a brilliant way to build points. Um, also shopping. So if you're doing online shopping and someone's an online shopper, does your airline loyalty program have that attached to it. So they have a lot of partners, depending on the airline. Um, I would really spend some time looking at what they offer. Do you want to sign up for those things to build points? And then work out where you want to go because when you're building all these points, you've got to have a goal in mind, right? So do you want to go to Australia? Do you want to go to, you know, Europe? Work out what you're, you're aiming for because then that'll keep you on track to build the points. Right, right, Linda. Now, a lot of people who go outside, their shopping cannot be far away from you. So, uh, you you are an expert on this uh, particular aspect, Linda, where, you know, on saving money during travel. Now, where should buy <coughs> travelers, uh, travelers look for shopping, you know, where they can within a particular city or is it that you recommend that there are certain places, uh, locations that one should go and do their bargain shopping? What's your uh, outlook on this particular aspect? So you're talking about something that I absolutely love. I love bargain shopping. Um, right. So what I would say is my big tip with bargain shopping, if you're looking for a certain brand, are you going to that country? So for me, later on this year, I'm going to the US. I love American brands. So that's the best place to buy the American brands because don't know about you, but in Australia, we get charged quite a bit for those brands. They will be very cheap because they're locally made. So if you're a shopper and you're after a certain a certain brand, find out where the brands are, where they originate from. And if you're going to that country, you're going to get a lot of them. Um, and if you're anything like me, you're going to have a family that will have a list of of things that they want me to get there as well for them, which is part of the part of the shopping fun. Um, but yeah, 
with bargain shopping also, look, if you're really into saving money when you're travelling and you want to buy things, go to a market. But there's an art to learning how to bargain. So someone might say to you, oh, you know, it's 100 whatever the currency is. What you should do as part of your bargaining is halve that and say, no, I'll offer you 50. And they will go, they will get quite shocked. But always start low when you're bargaining because then you've got room to move. If you offer too high, then that then you're not saving money. So always really offer low. So even if, if you're brave and it's 100, offer them 25 and they'll go, what? <laughs> um, but then you've got more bargaining room. So um, and just be just be be careful because not all um oh, how can I say this? Not all good people are in markets. They like to take advantage of the traveller. So you just have to be really careful. Um, and you know, know your prices. So if you're in a market, go around to a few places that are selling the same thing. What's one offering? What's the price that they're selling it for? What's the other one selling it for? If you do a bit of a walk around, you usually find out what the average price is. So you're doing a bit of market research before you buy and then offer them. And always be, be, always be okay about walking away as well. So if they're offering a, a ridiculous price, be okay to walk away, say no thank you and just walk away. Usually they'll come screaming and, and say, hey, Lady, lady, yes, okay, okay. Um, but it's all about the bargaining. That's my big tip. Okay, okay. So does this sort of hard bargaining also happen in European countries, in the US, in other countries? I thought this was more of, you know, on the eastern part of the world where we do a bit of bargaining and, you know, we haggle on the price and try to come to the right price for ourselves. So give us a sense of how it happens. Does it happen the same way in European countries, even in the US? Yeah, I think you just got to be brave and just ask. So they might okay. say to you, you know, whatever the price is, I say, well, what about this? And if they say no and you don't really want it, well, then just walk away and then go to the next stall. But um, I find probably my best bargaining is in Asia. Um, there are probably... Yeah, but you can certainly get bargains in Europe um, and the US. You know, in my opinion, AJ, if you don't ask, you don't get right. And right. you just got to be got to be a bit cheeky when you when you say it with a say it with a smile and see what happens. Right, right. One one more question in terms of you know buying things from where they originate now. You see, even in the U.S., a lot of their products are made in China, produced in mm. China, and then they sell it there. Now, for a traveler who is from not from U.S. or a non-resident traveler who is not a resident of that particular country, even in the Europe, in Europe, a lot of countries, they get their products manufactured in China because of the cost advantage. Then how does one decide uh, whether the product that they are getting in their country is better or the product that is there uh, you are getting in outside country, it is the best that he can get in the market. But what, how does one know that he is getting the genuine product that, that he is looking for? 
So what you need to do is do research before you leave. So find out what the price is in your in your local city. Um, and so that's a benchmark, right? So, you know, if, I don't know whether any of your listeners like luxury. So say you're going for a Louis Vuitton handbag, right? Um, you'd look at what the Louis Vuitton handbag is worth in, in your city. Okay. And then say if you're going to Paris, which is where, where they have good bargains, you're going to know the difference between what you would pay, say okay. for me in Melbourne, to what I'm paying in Paris. Um, but it's about the research. If there's one big tip I can give everyone as a traveller is research. Research, research, research. It will be your best friend. Um, and you think about when you're buying things in your local city. I, I don't know about you, but I do research before I buy something. I'll get my my iPhone up and go, okay, the shop's telling me it's this. Is there anywhere else that's offering it cheaper? So it's always about having that sort of mindset um, and you'll save your dollars for sure. And then, you know, you'll have something that's really worth a lot of money and you've paid hardly anything for it and people are going to go, oh, wow, you must have paid a lot and you just say, yeah, I did, when you didn't. <laughs> right, right, great. Yes, Linda, you have answered Quite a, your tips are going to be very helpful for a lot of people. And for a person like me who does not know about international travel, uh, I will certainly be, you know, using a lot of them. The only, the best thing is do research. Do as much research as possible and you will be saving a lot of money. Now, uh, another aspect of travel, especially international travel, Linda, is that in terms of staying healthy and being safe uh, during travels first important thing is that you know how does one respond to an emergency suppose there is a visa problem you suddenly find your visa is missing any particular document is missing some money is missing how does one respond to such emergencies where do they go at that point in time what should be their first response because it's a very different situation in a different country which is not yours yeah so I'd say, first of all, don't get too stressed. Try and remain calm. Um, if it's your passport and it's it's lost, then I would contact your local country consulate uh, for assistance. And also that would go for any emergencies. So if you're in an emergency, um, you know, medical emergency or anything like that, I would definitely contact them because they're very helpful. They're there... Um, to provide assistance to the citizens of the country. So I always carry my country consulate number. Um, you know, it's like insurance. You may never need to use it, but having their number is, will make you feel better. Um, so, yeah, depending on the circumstance, if you've had, if you've been um, involved in a robbery, so someone's, you know, robbed you, then I'd be going to the police as well to, you know, to do a police report. Um, but then also go to your country consulate. Um, and hopefully, AJ, um, most travellers should be taking out travel insurance. So I'd be calling their travel insurance company as well um, with any of those. And they, they, they're very helpful too. They, can, they deal with things that go wrong all the time. So probably a real, they would be the top three things to do um, depending on the emergency. But I think really stay calm because if you get too upset and stressed, then you don't think of things that might be just simple common sense because you're, you're too emotional about what's happening. So 
always good to remain calm. If your health, if it's your health, get yourself to a hospital immediately, right? If it, you know, because that's life and death. So, but yeah, it just depends on what the emergency is. Um, but I think a really big tip about traveling is always try and be safe when you're traveling. Don't put yourself at risk um, because then you won't need to do all these things, right? Right. And how do you stay safe in terms of if there is no health emergency, if all your documents are safe, but then some neighborhoods can, can be difficult to you know deal with. How do you stay safe? What are the things to keep in mind anywhere that you are? How do you do it with that? Yeah, be really careful. Don't walk down secluded, empty streets at night, either by yourself or with other people. Um, you know, not that we want to think that everyone's like this, but predators come out at night and they're just looking for targets to prey on. So just be really careful. My suggestion is always if you if you are out at night, go with the crowds because crowds and crowds that have got families because kids and families wouldn't be in the crowd if it was unsafe. So always try and be in the crowds. I would also say just don't draw attention to yourself either. So what I mean by drawing attention to yourself, you know, don't wear your gold jewellery. Don't wear your expensive clothes. Dress like the locals, you know. Um, you know, people will always want to look good when they're travelling, but you, you will stand out as being a tourist and then you can become a target for someone that wants to do no good, right? So it's just about how you try and blend in. You can't really blend in sometimes because you're going to look like a tourist, right? But what you can do is just don't draw attention to yourself. So just, yeah, um, and, you know, another thing too, if you're shopping, don't go through your wallet outside on a footpath where people okay. are walking past. Do it somewhere discreetly because if you're showing money, that's another attraction for people, right? They go, oh, this person's got a lot of money. We might try and rob them, you know. Um, but yeah, I think just common sense tips that you would do in your own in, in your own country. Um, and yeah, I think going out at night's a big one. Um, and you know, people will talk to you sometimes. I mean, the, the beauty of travel is you meet a lot of people, but just be really careful what you tell people too. You don't want to be telling people where you're staying, especially. Um, or your room number, like that would just be crazy, right? Because they'd go, I want to speak to such and such and room number. And, you know, you, you just, it's just a crazy thing to do. But I think just common sense tips, you know, keep yourself safe, blend in with the crowd. Um, don't take all your money out with you. So you might have all your money that you've brought with you. Take it out in, 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 in little, um, you know, little uh, parcels. So... You might be somewhere for seven days. Split your money between the seven days or you might know what you're going to do for that day. Just take enough money. So if you are robbed, touch wood that you aren't, but if you are robbed, you've still got some money already back in the hotel, right? Right. Um, right. But just, yeah, really common sense tips are always good. And just remember that, you know, there's, the beauty of travel is there's some really nice people you'll meet, but then there'll be could be some others that aren't so nice and you just got to protect yourself right right linda 
not in terms of you know uh, traveling outside after covid you know a lot of changes have happened to the uh, industry as such how mm. do you what do you recommend in terms of home stays for international traveler like airbnb and different places where do you see is it is will it be the same thing or is it that should people should avoid as of now till things come to normal how do you look at it from a traveler's perspective yeah well, look i think bnb is really really good for savings you'll save a lot of money but you don't know a lot about the people that 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 like have that that place um and you know um whether they're there or, or around me personally i don't use airbnb um because i've heard a lot of bad stories and you know it's not not to say everyone experiences this but i've had people that i've known that have booked airbnbs and then turned up and then there's no accommodation for them um but if you put the health on top of that um you know you, you just don't know that's a bit of an unknown um and yes you're saving money but you don't want to end up being sick through saving money you know what i mean so it's got to be a fine balance um i think if you're really smart and also do your research there's a lot of bargains to be had you know all these accommodation providers want your want your business so they will offer sales so you'd be be surprised that you would say could save some money doing that um but it depends on your budget you know you've got people that love doing hostels staying in hostels because they are very probably the cheapest you can get but again you're going to be around a lot of people in a hostel you don't know their health conditions you don't know you know whether they've had covid you don't know any of that and yeah it, it, i think you've got to balance the health and the cost savings really if you're thinking about it because the, the you don't want to be going on a trip and then end up with covid like that would just be a nightmare um and then getting long covid after it and then you'd go i wish i'd stayed in a hotel <laughs> you know because that might not have happened but look you know it, it probably travel involves a few more risks but i think when it calms down a bit more i think it'll be back a little bit more back to normal but again the individual choice you know i'm not going to recommend one against the other right. i think it's up to the individual right right linda mm. now my last question you know linda uh, ad hoc now because uh, for that for more either they have to connect with you or they have to mm -hmm. look at your resources on your website which is there so, uh, you know as as you have mentioned before in terms of insurance people can tend to be a bit more you know uh, like nothing will happen to me how should people look at travel insurance and what is the best way they can get the best out of the travel insurance thing so that they are safe secure and as well as you know they are getting the best in terms of uh, shelling out money also how should they go about it i think if you've got money to travel you should do travel insurance every time it's just a no brainer um i think as far as the policies are concerned make sure you're covered for medical um and also just for theft and you know replacement of baggage and all that also another thing to remember if you're going to the us 
it's very expensive if you get sick in the US because of their health insurance. Right. So if you, especially if you're going to the US, make sure that you've got a really good policy that covers you for that because if you get sick over there, you could be up for thousands and thousands of dollars. Um, so at the moment, I think a lot of travel insurance has a COVID clause that does cover people for COVID. So ask the question, do you cover COVID cancellations or, or you know, incidents? But I would just make sure that one, you're covered for medical, for loss of baggage, um, and also um, for cancellation of trip that you're going to get the claim back from that. So, um, yeah, always just read the policy. I know it's not fun sometimes to read it, but it's good to be to know what you've got in your policy because then you know what coverage you're going to get. Right, right, Linda. Uh, you've given a lot of information and, you know, uh, that's going to be, as I said earlier, that will be a lot of helpful to you to everybody here in India and to a lot of other places that this podcast is going to be heard or seen. Now, again, uh, at, at the sake of repeating, this is my last question in terms of experience. Earlier, travel used to be more about seeing more places. Now, people are looking at experiences. And how do they make sure that they are having the best of experience when they are going to any other any country which place do you recommend you have seen a lot of the world which places you recommend for a first time traveler to certainly not miss out or certainly go to if you can name a few well my favorite is europe i absolutely love europe um, i think wherever you go pick a place that's got a lot of diversity um, and it, you know, it depends on what you're after. So a big thing that's happening at the moment is bucket list trips. People oh. love things on their bucket list, right? And they're going, right, tick that off the bucket list. Um, but, yeah, it depends on what experience you want. Do you want a cooking experience, like a food experience? You might go to a country that's in, involving the food aspect. Or it might be that you're looking for slow travel. So slow travel where you're travelling a bit slower. Um, you've also got like trains. So it, it depends on what sort of experience you want. So for me, like through Europe, you can get on a train, go from country to country. Right. You're seeing a different you're seeing a different experience of that country instead of a plane where you're flying in between airports. So again, I think it's up to the individual, but what is it that that, that traveler wants to experience? What is it that's driving them to travel? Um you know, if you love Italian food, then a no-brainer would be to go to Italy because you're, you're going to get a lot of food there. Um, but if you're, you know, you're into history, then that might drive you to go to a country. But AJ, can I say the world is so wonderful? I have travelled to a lot of places and I continue to travel. I think travelling it itself is an experience. Um, and I think, it's, it, you know, the world is everyone's oyster. What do you want to travel? What do you want to see? Because it's all out there to, to visit. Um, and it's just what, you know, what pleases you or makes your heart sing, you know. So for me, um, you know, I like the bucket list. I've got a bucket list about this long with a lot of things. I mean, I'm marking them off the bucket list. 
Um, but each, everyone's different, right? What they want to do. But um, yeah, you have to travel. It's the best experience. It's a, a life experience and it's a learning experience. And I think your life is more uh, more wealthy from it. Right, right. As you said it, it's a wonderful world and life is mm. more wealthy with as much travel that is possible. So thank you mm. so much, Linda King, founder of the Smart Travel Evista, author, travel writer, and blogger. Thank you so much for your tips. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for thank your you, time. Thank Bye, you. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.